0: Welcome to the Intersecting Us Podcast, where math and life intersect. In today's podcast, Brian and Dave bring on a special
1: guest to discuss evolving goals, embracing change for personal growth.
2: As you go through life and you go through work and you go through school, there's a lot of different things to come to mind. You think about how you can become more successful personally, but you also eventually start thinking about it's not just internal, sometimes it's external. Today on the podcast, we have a special guest. Talk about some of those things, talk a little bit about his life, his his journey uh about uh, for personal success and community growth and uh this is Alec. Alec uh, comes to us from Illinois, I think, am I hitting that right? You are? Chicago? I, I am. I should have asked that before we started our podcast, but that's that's good to get that correct. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, we're looking at uh, where did you uh, grow up? Where'd you go to school? Sure. To start, thanks for having me, you guys.
1: Honored to be here. Uh, I grew up outside of Chicago in the suburbs, Elk Grove Village, right next to Schomburg, Illinois. All right. I went to school, uh, University of Illinois, down in Urbana-Champaign. I went there for my actuarial science major. And upon graduation, I came back to the suburbs and started working in the city.
2: So back into Chicago. So you're pretty, pretty much in the Chicago, eastern Illinois for quite a while then. That's kind of what you call home. And that's so actuarial science that always works good for intersecting us. We, that's what we're kind of about to some extent. That's a big part of our demographic. So tell us a little bit about and those people who've done this will understand this a little bit about your exam, where you are. How much fun you've had with them and all that kind of
1: stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could start off by saying I have had a lot of fun. I think That's that good. is the most important most important part of taking exams is keeping it fun and not having it be something you have to do because the exams are so intensive. I started taking exams my sophomore year of college. And after going down the SOA path, I ended up shifting to the PNC, the CAS path. And now I am taking exam five, which is coincidentally the sixth CAS exam, just about halfway through to the fellowship, which is the ultimate credential that we take exams for as actuaries.
0: And I I have an important question. I'm gonna back up a second when I yeah, I know you're from Illinois and Chicago area. So a big question I've got that may set the tone for the rest of this podcast is are you a Chicago Bears fan?
1: I actually don't watch a lot of football. okay. If I I had to pick a team, I'd pick the Bears geographically. Um, (laughs) I know they're not doing too hot this year, so a lot of people are angry about that, but I'm a little disconnected.
0: Okay. Well, um, one member of this podcast is a big Bears fan and the other is not so much. So we had to get that out of the the way to find (laughs) out where you
2: land. I had right on my notes, do not mention Bears. And then here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've been a Bears fan for many years and, uh, it is, it's amazing how the suffering of being a Bears fan fits into, you know, either failing of an exam or, you know, whatever, uh, not being prepared for the exams, <laughs> whatever. That's what they look like the last few weeks anyway. So, but, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I could see where you'd say that because it, it's right in the middle. Uh, of course, you're a Vikings fan, so you can't jump up and down too much, right, Dave? Uh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> your exams are, you're currently working in, in Chicago area, uh, correct? That is right. Yeah. And that, uh, I thought, I literally didn't think about this, but most people who aren't actuaries may not know this. So you get, you, you get exam time within your workday to study.
1: Yep. Uh, exactly right. So we get about two hours out of our eight hour workday, um, about <laughs> two thirds of the year
2: paid mm-hmm. to study time. And that is something that's, I guess I'm not as sure of other disciplines, but I know that's somewhat unique to actuarial careers. I think, uh, it's, it's encouraged. It's, it's, it's sacred. I mean, it's like, you know, I remember when I was taking him, I'm like, no, don't come talk to him. He's studying and boy, he really needs it. You know, yeah. I mean, but, but I, I think that's a little different <laughs> because study and that whole idea of how to uh, prepare for taking exams and understanding the material is built into the actuarial profession. Probably more than just about any other one, which is another thing uh, that's kind of cool about it. You get good at disciplining yourself of understanding things.
0: So I was going to kind of ask uh, or ha- let Alec tell the story about how you and I got connected, because uh, that's kind of how we got you on this show is our relationship. And uh, I thought I would rather have you tell a little bit about how we got connected. Just because uh, I think it's a cool story, a little bit.
1: A hundred percent. This started maybe a year ago, year and a half ago, mm-hmm. uh, when I was at a point in my life, uh, starting my career, realizing that the ceiling was a lot higher than I thought it was. People always say you can do anything, but I feel like many people underestimate what anything means when you can't simply comprehend, you know, what your limits are. So I was at a point where I was looking for mentors to help me, to guide me and to have people to ask questions to when I have these sort of more complicated general life questions who have maybe been through them before and can offer me a viewpoint that I don't have in my life. And I remember I was writing, I was writing my journal, what sort of qualities I'd want in a mentor to help to start feed my brain ideas on who I could reach out to and who I could ask to mentor me. And one of the first people that came up was Dave because I had used, as we were just talking about exams, I had used uh, his product, Coach and Actuaries, probably the last four years at that point. And since studying had become such a big part of my life, as Brian was just talking about, this, <laughs> this product, this Coach and Actuaries product also became a really big part of my life. And as I started succeeding in these exams, a lot of the credit I gave to the way coaching actuaries was made because it saved me a lot of time in logistics and let me focus on learning the actual work. And of course, the man behind every video in coaching (laughs) actuaries was Dave. (laughs) So I'd already heard him talk and I've seen him talk probably hours on end, although he hadn't seen me because I'm just watching his his video recordings. And so I remember, I think I was researching the email format for Coaching Actuaries and sort of put in Dave Kester's name to see if it would come up. Or maybe I had reached out to, to someone on the Coaching Actuaries team to thank Dave and just reached out to him to see if he was willing to hop on a one-on-one call and to talk a little more. Which now has turned into a year and a quarter almost of knowing each other.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Every quarter we get together and Alec is does a super job of planning and preparing for that time. He sets up the call and he has questions. He, we have time limits and we stick within those and, uh, has been a model person to make it very easy to, you know, to connect with and, um, uh, I probably gain as much out of it as Alec does because uh, I'm learning a lot from him, and of course, I'm just encouraged by seeing you know someone else who who wants to ask questions um yeah, I think Brian and I would probably both agree that you know as you get older, uh maybe people don't ask you quite as many questions as the as you think that they could uh because Brian, you and I we have just so much wisdom you know that's just. <laughs>
2: It is overflowing. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I think what we've done is we've made, we've made a lot of mistakes and, uh, and you learn from your mistakes. And so that translates to maybe, uh, trying to save someone else from those mistakes, but no, it's been a lot of fun. And I think one of the things that in our last mentor meeting, if you want to call it that, Alec was talking a little bit about his personal journey that he's been going on, uh, that coincided with a lot of things that I've been thinking about looking at a kind of a growth mindset seeing a life where the limits that we thought we had really are more imaginary than than real and uh, just the kind of the benefits of setting goals and so I've heard Alec kind of talk a little bit about those things I, I haven't heard his full story so I want to, uh, the little bit I did here, I thought was really exciting. And I wanted to bring him on the podcast and let him share his story, but also knowing that I have not heard all of this myself. So it's going to be kind of fun for me to kind of hear some of more details of uh, how Alec has arrived where he's at and where he sees his future going. Because I think, uh, it's a good roadmap for other people in his shoes that are, you know, at a similar point in time in life. Could learn from how Alex is thinking about things. So maybe we'll start off with Alec. Tell us a little bit about the goal setting journey that you've been on.
1: Absolutely. I think what you were mentioning, uh, when you say that the limits we have are more so imaginary. And before that, you mentioned how you two, uh, have more wisdom than people maybe ask you about. I think that the biggest thing that holds people back is the questions that they don't ask, where a lot of times we set goals for things that we think are possible. And that's sort of how my goal setting started is I set financial goals. I set exam goals as an actuary. When I was in school, I had goals for straight A's. I had goals for certain scores on AP exams. And these were all things that I had in my awareness that I understood could be possible. And these goals were always about Me achieving something. I think all goals ultimately are meant to make us happy. We seek happiness in the end. We seek joy. We seek love and we set goals that we think will accomplish these emotions. And for me, I've noticed recently as some of these goals I've set in the past, I've started to hit the happiness and the joy that I thought would come from them (laughs) never comes. (laughs) And so then my first thought is to set a bigger goal. And then when that goal happens, again, it doesn't come. And it's sort of like you get stuck in this rat race. And so I remember having a time recently where I was setting my goals for the next year and realized that once I hit them, nothing is going to change. And I felt Mm. very confused and very lonely.
0: Hmm. Interesting,
1: and I think I think those feelings are important because they made me realize that in order to get out of this rat race, something will have to change. Hmm. So you always hear how uh, you hear how if you're ever not feeling in a good place, always help someone else feel better, and mm. that'll help you feel better. Okay. Yeah, and so I, I, I'm sort of just in a transition mode now of. Of reworking a lot of these in a way that, you know, maybe to bring myself happiness, you bring happiness around you and and happiness just surrounds you like a cloud. And Mm. then that's how you end up achieving your ultimate goal. Wow.
0: Yeah. That is, uh, that, that is, uh, extremely mature thinking in my opinion to look at it beyond just the, initial I guess uh, joy or thrill or happiness of achieving a goal and realize okay uh, there needs to be more to it than that because it's kind of a shallow feeling especially if it kind of feels like it's a, a lone journey and that there's not maybe a bigger purpose involved outside of yourself and it's not that you don't think about other people or care about other people but you realize that there's something missing where you you really want your time and energy to matter. Something beyond your own experience is what I think I'm hearing you say.
1: Yes. I think a good way to sum it up is looking for significance in some sort okay. of way. So I've always okay. always sought significance. And I thought that was accomplished through, again, financial outcomes or fulfilling this sort of imaginary hierarchy that I've created in my head throughout my time in school of moving up this ladder of a career and having a certain role and how that will let me bring happiness to other people when really it it can be a lot more lonely if you make it.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. Can you kind of uh, summarize what uh, the flavor is of your new goals to kind of see where are you at today with those goals and however much detail you want to give.
1: Sure. So one of my biggest goals, um understanding that goals, all goals, are ultimately to make us feel a certain way. My number one goal in life now is to control how I feel in every moment. So no matter what's happening, no matter if the project at work is going well and the client is happy or if we get an email that everything is wrong, never to let my happiness sacrifice. Because I understand that a lot of things are outside of my control. Mm -hmm. And in order to deal with them, if we are relaxed and happy and calm, the most difficult circumstances can become fun to deal with. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And through that, it's so contagious. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then everyone else around you starts to look at it in the same way. And at the end of the day, when you look back at how your day went, if you get this horrible email from this client and everyone starts stressing out, you look back at the day thinking it wasn't fun mm. you weren't happy. But you can have the same exact circumstance, the same exact email, and just changing the way you feel about it can make the day entirely different, even though the exact same thing happened. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, think, I think that starts with the individual. It starts with ourselves. So with me, it starts with me. And I think naturally, as I get better at it, it translates to those around me.
0: I think that it's a good example for a lot of actuaries and analytical people to uh, learn a few things about goal setting that Alex has talked about. I think another thing that Alex has pointed out is the, the benefit of having a growth mindset. And so, uh, Alec, when I say growth mindset, what does that mean to you?
1: It's a good question. I remember hearing a story how humans typically like to start digging a hole. And all of their focus becomes on making this hole as deep as possible. So they start digging faster down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then they start thinking, let's make this hole as wide as possible. So they start digging around them. And every day they wake up (laughs) and they try to make this hole deeper and wider and deeper and wider. And I think having a growth mindset is realizing that you can leave the hole and you could walk over to another location and you could start a new hole if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. You don't have to stay in the same hole for the rest of your life.
0: Right. Okay. I think that that uh, makes a lot of sense. Changing maybe a little bit, you've got a job as an actuary. Tell us a little bit about what you do at work. Happy to.
1: At work, I'm an actuarial analyst. I work at a consulting firm. So we consult for various insurance companies and captive insurance companies. As an analyst, my work is mainly learning a lot of what the consulting actuaries do five and 10 years on in their career. A lot of the work is spent learning how to manipulate Excel files quickly, learning how to code in SAS or Python, and learning how to fulfill requests in the quickest way possible that achieves the outcome that they want. I know a lot of A lot of my challenges have come with not having exact requirements for a project and spending a lot of time making it perfect. When really, as an actuarial analyst, you try to move it to someone with a little more experience than you and they can start making those difficult decisions. Whereas selecting in actuarial science, we have ultimate losses that we're always chasing, selecting Mm -hmm. ultimate losses is not something that I should be spending my time on. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. Okay. And as we've gone through this mentorship process, is there been anything that you would say has impacted your career at your job? Certainly.
1: One of the things that we always talk about is what we want. And oftentimes... At work, especially, you always have projects on your desk. So if you don't take time to step away at the start of the day or at the end of the day to look at everything that you have to do and to almost have a bird's eye perspective on what would be the most productive way to do it, you can get caught up in task solving. Mm-hmm. And what you've always mentioned to me is understanding what you want big picture. Instead of looking at one email at a time and spending my time chronologically doing (laughs) what the emails are asking, being able to look big picture at what I want, what the people I'm working for want, and how to best accomplish that, even if it's not the way I'm being asked to accomplish it, but to use my Mm -hmm. own thought process in finding a better way or the best way to accomplish it
0: right well i think that we talked a little bit about a finite mindset and an infinite mindset it almost seems like uh, when people send any emails they get this idea we have an infinite amount of time because we receive so many emails and if we just uh, followed that idea that you talked about, of maybe just once an email comes in, that's what you put your attention to, we wouldn't get any work done. We would simply be reading and responding to every single email, at least, you know, at the corporate jobs I've been at, I was always amazed as to how much time were, was expected to, you know, to respond to those emails. And I think what you're Thinking about is looking at a more holistic approach is, okay, what is the goals for the company? What is the goals for our department? And then let that drive how you spend your time, knowing that you cannot say yes to everybody. And that means you're going to have to say no to some in order to accomplish a yes to what's most important.
1: Absolutely. I love the way you put that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, saying, saying no to some to accomplish the best yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very important.
0: Mm-hmm. How about in your exams now, as you're pursuing that, is there anything that you feel like you've learned from when you first took maybe exam P or FM to where you're at now that if you were going to do it all over again, you'd say, oh, I, I would maybe try, you know, doing X instead of Y?
1: It's hmm. a good question. Certainly. I would always study in the morning before doing any other sort of work for the day. Mm-hmm. I find that you can study an incredible amount of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, as actuaries, we're, we're told to study 100 hours per one hour of exam time. So that mm-hmm. usually relates to two, three, four hundred 400 hours per exam. You can study 1,000 hours, but if they're not productive, you're not going to learn anything. And the biggest, most helpful tip for me, if I could go back, is to find those study hours that I've had and find ways to make them even more productive because it's exponential how much more you learn when you're in that productive state versus just turning on the clock
2: in hours.
0: Right, right. I can remember that. I'd kind of forgotten about that concept, but uh, as you articulate... That process, it brings back memories for me, which has been, you know, 30 years ago of things I learned through the study process. And for me, I was amazed as to how much understanding and confidence I gained in, let's say, the last week before the exam. And I think a lot of that was the urgency of the moment, but also stopped looking at maybe a lot of the details and took a step back and tried to look at the big picture in those last couple of weeks and that put me in a mindset where I felt like my learning accelerated but then I think on the other hand you can't ignore a lot of the details that you spent learning up to that point and and so even though you may you know if you're going to maybe chart your confidence on a graph it may seem like it gets really steep the last week before the exam you know it did for me but that doesn't mean that i was unproductive you know two months before because you still kind of had to lay that foundation but as you said alec the you know the key is to really kind of take a step back and and uh i you know really get quality studying in and not just um uh, you know, go through the motions of reading and expecting that's going to lead to a successful pass.
1: Mm-hmm. And I've had a similar experience <laughs> where two, three weeks before the exam, you can feel absolutely lost and mm-hmm. suddenly it feels like everything clicks.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I, I always try to encourage students to not lose uh, hope when they're one month away from the exam and they're feeling like they don't understand it that you, you know, you just continue to work at it and give yourself some extra time. The last week or two to really, I don't want to say cram that. That's not the right word I'm thinking of, but just to be able to, you know, kind of sprint to the finish line. And it's during that sprint where I used to learn a lot of, um, kind of the key things to get me prepared for the exam. And so I think that that, that, that was something that I, I always want to encourage people not to lose hope. <laughs>
1: it's, I think that encouragement can never be said enough times. <laughs> in my sixth exam now, it's almost cyclical to where you, you get those feelings of not being able to pass or not thinking that you'll pass every time. And mm-hmm. every time when you get to a certain point, they go away again. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting.
0: Right. Right. Well, cool. Well, we just got a couple of minutes here to wrap up. I know I've, uh, shared a book with you called Mathematics for Human Flourishing. And, um, you probably have, um, you know, just received it and, uh, haven't really spent much time reading it. But I know we've at least connected that it seems like that book at least resonated with you a little bit, uh, and maybe even resonated with some of your colleagues there at work, is there anything in particular that you thought that resonated with you?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, uh I did have a chance to read two of the chapters so far, and I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think what resonated most with me is, uh and the book is Mathematics for Human Flourishing.
0: Correct, yeah, by Francis to too,
1: yeah. One of the things that resonates with me is that I feel like if you find a passion that you really enjoy, mathematics being one, and you fully dive into it, not for the purposes of checking some boxes that you have a profession or having somewhere to go in the morning, but if you truly find something that you're interested in, you start to get super curious about the aspects of it. Mm -hmm. And naturally those aspects start to guide your life in the way that it's meant to go. Mm-hmm. And the way this book talks about mathematics was a lot more general. It wasn't about how to become a better mathematician, but it was looking at the almost the theory of life through mathematics, and that caught my attention right away.
0: Right. Yeah, I think for me it uh, really brought out the human aspect of it, Part of it that I think is that we miss out is just the fact that math was developed by humans. And I know that sounds incredibly simple, but when we get everything from a textbook, we don't ever, you, we rarely hear the story about where all these, you know, great ideas came from. It looks like they came from, you know, the publisher of the textbook, but, you know, they, they came over time. And the more I read about those things, the more incredibly interesting I find it. So that's part of it is that, you know, we as humans uh, have brought all this together. And the cool thing is, is we're not done yet. There is so much more math yet to be written. In fact, every time you answer a problem where you have to think through the solution on your own, that is, in a sense, adding new math to this math world because you just came up with a unique way to solve a problem. And even though that is extremely small, it illustrates the concept that math is uh, an ever-growing library of information that we all contribute to. And we get a chance, like you say, not to just think about checking off boxes, but we get to participate in writing a bigger story in what math will be for the next generation. So I think that's pretty cool. So anyway... We could probably talk a lot more about that, but I think we're we're winding down at our time here and i I don't know if you have any last words, Alec, you'd like to share uh with our audience on uh you know maybe what you want them to think about as they're probably having some struggles in their career trying to figure out you know how to move forward um in the next steps. <laughs>
1: if you're anything like me, you spend all your time focused on completing the goals that you set for yourself. And if I had one tip that I'd give myself a year ago is that the goals can change and it's okay. Uh Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) And it's not failing your old goals. It's Mm -hmm. setting new ones that are better.
0: Right. Right. Oh, I think that's fantastic. You know, it's very practical. And yeah, we, we kind of like to write these goals in stone when in fact, it's good to have them down where we can achieve them, but we don't want them to be static because we're growing as people. And last year's goals probably need tweaking for this year. And sometimes it's a big tweak, uh, but uh, don't hesitate to continually update those um, thoughts of you know what you want to accomplish in your life. So anyway, Alec, I appreciate uh, your time that you gave uh, to us today. We look forward to watching your career develop, and uh, I think that's one of the cool things about being in the actual profession is that it's an extremely small community, and we get to know each other really well pretty quickly. And so uh, I know our paths will cross down the road, and I, I look forward to that. And um, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me.
2: Has been the Intersecting
0: Us podcast. To further engage with Intersecting Us, go to intersectingus.com.